For over 10 years, Joanna Penn has been the voice behind the seminal writer's podcast, The Creative Pen. She started out by building a business around her nonfiction work, but deep down, Joanna always knew that writing fiction was the bigger dream. Since taking the plunge, she's published nearly 20 works of fiction, including a finalist in the International Thriller Award for Best Ebook Original. In the year of COVID, Joanna's been thinking a lot about the idea of new normal as she navigates a series of pivots, big and small, not just in her daily routines and habits, but also her long-term goals. Listen to this interview to find out what shifted for Joanna Penn and how she's thinking about success moving forward. Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. This podcast episode is sponsored by me. I'm Ethan Freckleton, a mindset coach for author entrepreneurs. I help author entrepreneurs to achieve a sustainable, flexible, profitable business without all the burnout and overwhelm. Learn more by visiting ethanfreckleton.com forward slash mindset. Joanna Penn, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller. Oh, thanks for having me on the show, Ethan. It's great to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. And for people who may not know who you are, because I don't just podcast for authors, um, what would you like to share about yourself? Uh, well, I guess I'm an author. I write thrillers and fantasy as J.F. Penn. That's Joe Francis Penn. And I also have a books and travel podcast, which supports my fiction writing, really, sort of about research and talking to other writers about travel. And then I also write nonfiction for authors as Joanna Penn. And I have another podcast, the Creative Pen Podcast, which has been going since 2009. So it's one of the kind of old, old school podcasts. And uh, I used to be in the corporate world. I used to implement accounts payable into corporates. Oh <laughs> and gosh. it was very, yes, exactly. I was very well paid and uh, I, I had no creative uh, no creativity left in my, in myself. So I was pretty, I was pretty miserable at that point in my life, decided to change my life, started a number of different businesses. I ran a scuba diving business. I did property mm. investment and then eventually found writing and, uh, started writing 2006, left my job in 2011, started my own creative business. And basically I've been a full-time author, entrepreneur, podcaster since 2011. And uh, in case people didn't realize from my accent, I am British and I'm living in Bath in the Southwest of the UK. So there you go. There's a few things about me. <laughs> That's great. Well, I guess one, I resonate with a lot of that. It sounds like you you have a lot of irons in the fire and you kind of express your creativity um, in your life <laughs> in, in many different ways. And I, I too once was in that day job and 
spent too much of my energy behind the desk planning my escape and not knowing how to do that. So congratulations. Mm, thank you. Well, I think the escape for me took a long time. Like I said, I started different businesses because I don't think that we, well, some people might know exactly what they want to do, but those of us who are, let's say, multi-passionate, like I know you're a musician as well as a writer and all of these things. And uh, if you like doing different things, it can be hard to know what direction to follow. So I tried different things and as things failed, I learned lessons and those lessons led me to where I am now and kind of shaped my identity as an independent creator mm-hmm. um so I, we have to make our mistakes we have to learn our lessons and we have to just keep following a sort of zigzag path until we get there and then of course we get there wherever there is and then we decide we want something else so, <laughs> such is life <laughs> uh, that is so true i think like boredom is one of my biggest fears and my other biggest fear is going back to a day job so I definitely don't fear boredom. I'm never, ever bored. I, I just, I, my mum used to say, I think when we were a kid, she said, um, she would say, you're not bored, you are boring. So, <laughs> so I was like, right, I'm never going to be that. So I, I am always, I'm probably always too busy. Like I love, I love everything. I'm always reading or listening or doing something, you know, I, I, and then I'm asleep. <laughs> yeah. And do you find that the more like you do creatively, the more it just feeds everything else? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I have so many ideas. I do remember when I didn't have any ideas and when I wondered where, you know, the question that many writers get, which is where do you get your ideas? I'm sure you've had it as a songwriter as, as well. This sort of, where do you get your ideas from? And it feels like a crazy question because the idea, ideas are not the problem. The, the problem mm. is the amount of time you need to write all the things that you want to write and create all the things you want to create. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, the more ideas, the more I experience the world, the more ideas I have mm. and the, the difficulty is deciding which book to write next right. and how to fit everything in. But, you know, that's a good challenge to have. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Right. And, but, you know, that can part of be part of what causes us to go off in four or five different directions at the same time too, right? Chasing mm. excitement and energy, not just in stories, but you have two podcasts and a fiction and a nonfiction business. And, right. Yeah. I think uh, some people are blessed with the, you know, the one thing by Gary Keller it was mm-hmm. a good book, but I think that a certain group of people have that in their life. Like I have friends who were doctors, for example, they always wanted to be a doctor and they're a doctor and that was their path and they're happy in that. I know I never had one thing. And I mean, I, now I define myself as an author and a podcaster. So Mm. I didn't ever know I would be a podcaster. It didn't even exist when, you know, when we were growing up type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, exactly. But I feel like it's, it's podcasting is just creating in a different format than uh, writing. So it's creating with your voice. It's, it's helping people. Like some people listening will get ideas from this interview yeah. and that's, you know, just as effective or even more effective than a nonfiction book because they might not read a whole book, but they might get an idea from this that might change their life. So uh, I hope that is true for people listening, <laughs> but it's, uh, I think it's important to, if you're going to live a multi-passionate life, then don't shut things down too early. Mm. I mean, I must say I'm in the process now of trying to be more focused, but my focus, as you say, is still um, my two podcasts and my two brands. 
one fiction, one nonfiction, because that, uh, that feeds my soul. It, it, it gives me different parts of my personality. I, I love to help people. And I feel like fiction helps people in one way, but it's not the same as helping people actually achieve something themselves, which is what self-help books do and that side of my business. And also I am a businesswoman and I like multiple streams of income and I like having different things that are not dependent on each other. Like if I only wrote in one genre of fiction, Mm. I wouldn't consider that secure enough to build my life on. Yeah. And do you find that like keeping four businesses going basically that like you have to be on for all of those at the same time, or is there like a rhythm or a balance that you've found where you can kind of put on different hats and let other things go at different times? Oh, they are not four separate businesses at all. They are one business. Um, the creative pen limited is my company and Mm. everything sits under that. And so for example, with podcasting, uh, what I do is I batch the work. So for example, in this three week period that we're recording this, I'm actually recording all my interviews for the next five months. Oh my goodness. So (laughs) yeah, I'm basically going really hard on all my interviews in order that all I have to do every week is spend, I probably spend about after, after, the interviews themselves where I do a lot of preparation for my interviews, do the interview, and then I might do a bit of editing on it, but you know, then I just have to do an introduction and the person and the newsy stuff or whatever. So, and then with my, with books and travel, I do those interviews as well. I'm doing those interviews now as well. So essentially in a three week period of let's say three hours of interviews a day, I'm going to bank all of that content and then I, it opens up my calendar for the novel. I've start, just started writing my next novel. Um, mm. And I, so two hours, well, how do I, I spent about three hours this morning uh, working on my novel. And uh, so most days in the morning I'm creating. And then in the afternoon I do marketing, business, interviews, that type of thing. Um, so it, it balances out, but I definitely, like I only write one book at a time. So right now I'm writing a novel. Mm. After this novel, I'll probably write another novel and then I'll write a nonfiction book and, you know, kind of do it like that. But I, I never do all four things like <laughs> in the same day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be, that would be crazy. But in the morning, it's more creation time. Afternoon is marketing business time. Right. And do you have like a concept of like, core things that have to get done and then kind of bonus time activities? Uh, well, those, the core things are those things. One, creation, two, marketing and business. Mm-hmm. But what that is made up of will differ. So obviously at certain times of the year, you have to deal with your accountant and your taxes. Mm-hmm. And that obviously has to happen at a certain time. And uh, But then things like this novel, I've got a pre-order on for December, uh, 2020 as we record this the book is tree of life and it's a thriller and i'm only i'm 10,000 words in mm. so i know i can get it out by december but equally that date is uh in my head as okay so i work backwards from that so i have to obviously spend the time doing that but equally i'm a full-time writer and so <laughs> i better be writing <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and so Writing fiction is like, it's deep work, right? And I've heard you talk in the past, it was harder for you to get into than than perhaps the nonfiction writing. And I'm curious what it did bring up for you and how you got past that and and what you've learned that helps you now. 
Well, I definitely, I think that corporate career that is not creative, you know, I wrote um, technical specifications for programmers for, mm. for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to do this software package called SAP, which is this German software package. And I, so I, my writing was, I was doing functional specifications, technical specifications. I was doing a lot of business writing. So I didn't think that I could ever write fiction I also had in my head that because my mum uh taught English and I I went to Oxford University and literature was the Mm -hmm, thing like mm -hmm. if you were going to write you had to write literature and it would have to uh you know have people sort of puzzled over the meaning of it and all this type (laughs) of thing and then but when I was in my day job and I was so miserable that I was kind of crying in my lunch hour, I was just like, what am I doing with my life? I hate this, but I need the money for the mortgage. And, you know, we had the house and all the stuff and whatever. And I realized that what I would do every lunchtime is I'd go to the bookstore. So I was living in Australia at the time. I'd go to the bookstore and buy another thriller and I'd read it on the train home. And the next morning I'd read it on the way to work. And I would do that a couple of times a week. I'm a pretty fast reader. So I would, you know, get through three novels, three thrillers a week and to escape. So I was escaping mm. my job into thrillers and then I thought you know my favorite films are things like Con Air with Nicolas Cage blowing (laughs) things up beating up the bad guys defending your family good versus evil and uh I loved and when Dan Brown put the Da Vinci Code out I was like oh you can write books like this um you can write thrillers that have some interesting history and uh, but are not <laughs> super deep and meaningful mm-hmm. really and so that really changed my life it's like you don't have to write a pulitzer prize winning novel or you know any prize winning novel you can write i know you've written uh, you write some comedy and space opera and humor stuff mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um it, it, let's be honest it's unlikely to win a literary prize <laughs> in the same i've seen your covers i mean i've seen the title of your um book i presume you can say ass on oh your yes show. you can say whatever you like on this show but what's the title again just tell me starship ass yes starship ass. ass and i'm like okay that, that and yeah see i'm laughing are you saying funny. that's you're saying that's not an oxford standard uh literature I can't even, I mean, I can't even say the word on my podcast because it would considered bad language. <laughs> but it's funny because, you know, obviously you've got got over this, you're, you're fearless writing and stuff. And for me, it was getting over this um, uh, block of I must write something important, mm-hmm. something that is worthy of this type of literature and when you get over yourself and you think hey do you know what there is nothing wrong with writing a fast-paced action adventure thriller set around the world in all these locations where there are fight scenes and things blow up and um the good guys win yeah and that's fun you know yeah it's fun that's to a write. Big, big word fun yes fun and yeah. it's fun to write it's fun to read it's escapism and i think we forget like and that's the thing i come back to i needed to escape my job and so i escaped into this thriller world and that's what i provide to my readers you mm. read uh, jf penn 
book and you're going to escape for however long it takes you to read that word. And a lot of my books are based on my travels. And many of my readers uh, email me and say, I'm, you know, I can't travel. I've got, um, you know, I don't have enough money or I have a medical condition or I'm retired and, I, you know, I don't have, have the money. <laughs> and they're like, uh, I, people get to travel vicariously through my books and my characters. And so that's what I want people to remember. Yeah. If you're thinking of writing a novel, it doesn't have to be deep and meaningful. Of course, you can write deep and meaningful literature if you would like to, absolutely. But if you really enjoy reading, uh, you know, time travel romance or uh, space opera with an ass in, then you can you can write that because that's that's just fun and people will buy your books and give them good reviews because they're happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Happy is an underrated quality happy for leaving your totally, readers. Yeah. It's totally underrated. <laughs> <laughs> so is that, I mean, so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast now, you know, I've listened to yours for a long time is because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, as people who do lots of things, um, there's been a lot of adjustments, and I think one of the primary ones was adjusting from just the idea of a short-term disruption to routines and how we do things day to day to this idea that, well, actually, maybe disruption is just unknowable and lengthy. And I'm, I'm curious how all of this is shaping your thoughts for writing fiction and existing and maintaining creative energy and fun and joy and that happiness yeah well i think at the beginning of the pandemic so like we're recording this in august mid-august 2020 i heard about the chinese stuff the wuhan stuff way back in early january Mm. and i thought at the time oh, look, this is interesting. This is like the whole SARS thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I actually started a project called Pandemic and I started take, because I thought this is great research. What I'll do is I'll follow the news in China and I will get ideas from what's happening and I'll write them in this um, project. Like I have, I use Scrivener. I'll just put these things in there and I'll start, uh, you know, learning about this. Because, you know, I think many writers think, you know, a pandemic thriller is is a good one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I started doing that. And then about mid-February, when Italy started kicking off, I was like, okay then, this is a bit more serious than I thought, and mm-hmm. I don't want to write this project anymore, so <laughs> so I stopped um, doing yeah. that. But then in March, obviously, um, it really hit the UK. It certainly hit us before it hit the US. And in March, we went into lockdown, and I did have probably three weeks of running around like a headless chicken Mm. uh first thing was oh no everything's you know the economy's gonna tank i don't i won't have any money because i'm the you know my the the business was for me and my husband is our was is was our main source of income we can come to what's changed but it was uh you know it was like oh no i have to do something so i I made I, i went super busy i made uh, online courses. I mm. did um, some fund. Like I put out my. I said, "Here's a fifty percent coupon for my books. If you buy it now, to get like an influx of 
money um, if you bought direct from me. So I did. So I went into overdrive. That's I, I have a bias for action. I'm not someone mm. who will uh, wallow. I'm someone who will take action. It's sometimes it's the wrong action, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I will take action. So I did all that stuff. And so that was about the first month of the pandemic. And I was in the middle of a novel at the time, Map of the Impossible. I couldn't work on that novel. Mm-hmm because my creative first draft process is to work at a local cafe and of course you couldn't do that anymore and I just felt I can't write in this office where I'm standing now it's where I do my podcast and my business I just can't write in here and I had all these fixed things in my head and of course we all thought oh it will be over I'll be back to normal in six weeks or something it'll be fine and then it carried on and I had a, I interviewed, um, you might have heard on my podcast, a friend of mine, he's a coach, Mark McGuinness. Yes. And in talking to him, I realized that all I needed to do was change my process at my desk. Mm. So what I did was I started listening to the Game of Thrones soundtrack. And <laughs> since then, Spotify has served me all kinds of wonderful uh, instrumental uh, songs. And now that's my process. So instead of going to the cafe at 7am I'm here at my desk at 7am and I put my headphones on and I have my coffee and I, just I can pretend. totally hear I can totally hear this <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just I just pretend the cello is in my head <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah okay so everyone's got it now <laughs> that's my starting song you know I put that song on mm. and I'm like okay I'm gonna write now and I start and um and I do my words and, and that's how I do it. So, and then I think what's happened in terms of the longer term, obviously I haven't been traveling. So tree of life that I'm writing right now is based on a load of travels I've already done. Mm-hmm. And what I've done is shift my next book. Um, Day of the Martyr is going to be based on Canterbury Cathedral here in the UK and mm. Thomas a Becket, who was martyred 850 years ago under the reign of Henry VIII. And so I'm going to write that book next, which after tree of life, and that will take me into maybe February of 2021, Hmm. by which time (laughs) I hope there will be a vaccine or something and we will be heading back into whatever is the new normal. But I I fully expect that. uh, I mean, a lot of people in Britain have gone onto uh, Europe for holidays. And I think, again, we're ahead of you on the curve in Mm -hmm. terms of the pandemic over there in the US. Yeah. and so I feel like we're already in the new normal, which is we just, you know, shops are open. I, I even went down to the cafe the other day, but it was just too busy. <laughs> too many children. And uh, so I decided... <laughs> For writing. Want, yeah. yeah, I just decided yeah. I didn't want to be... Plus they stopped opening so early. They used to open really early. Mm. So I could get in a couple of hours before the parents and children arrived, but now they, they're later. But so my, I guess my point is that if people listening are struggling with oh, I can't, I just can't because all this stuff's going on. You can't, you have to find some way of changing up your process. You can't, I I was holding on to what my old process was in the hope that that was going to return. Whereas what I needed to do was just change my process and get back to it, get back Mm. to work and not be so precious about it. You know, I was just, oh, but that's my seat in the cafe. And that's, you know, that's where I like to be. And it's like, no, stop it. You're a writer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I resonate so much with that. I did. 
all my writing, like cafe hopping, you know, go write mm. for a couple hours in a cafe, go for a walk, maybe across yeah. town and find another mm. place. And just that motion and seeing people and the sights and the smells, right? Yeah. So, so how have you, how have you reinvented yours? <laughs> it's, it's ongoing. I've had a series of shifts, but you know, one of them was I was planning something pretty dark and moody. And I couldn't sink into that project. Um, I keep trying to come back to it, and I'm just not able to go there. Mm. And, and so the first thing I did was a, an escapist write. I wrote something that I can't publish under my own name. <laughs> and I haven't done anything with it, but, you know, I was like, okay, I'll write. And then I started joining um, um, writing sprints, live writing sprints online. Um, actually, Mal Cooper was streaming some on Facebook. Mm. And so I started um, sprinting alongside Mal. And then, you know, that helped me overcome my resistance to new routines just because, you know, just drop in and start doing work a little bit at a time. And that that served me well. Um, mm. and, then, and then everything happened around June, Black Lives Matter and all that. And I started thinking about what am I really writing and why am I writing it? And because I've been kind of shifting towards more of the right to market for my longer backlog of what I want to do and kind of revisiting that, like, what am I writing? Who am I writing for? Who am I omitting? Not even consciously for my stories. So I've been kind of doing a whole reinventory. That's, that's where mm. I'm at. Yeah, mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone's had the time to actually think. I mean, the, uh, and obviously, there's a lot of pain in the world right yeah. now, and a lot of people really struggling. But if you are one of the lucky ones, uh, as mm -hmm. I I am, um, not right now anyway, not sick. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, also, you know, have enough money coming in from things, live a pretty cheap life nowadays. Um, yeah, those are you know, pretty vital shifts, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, well, we already pretty. Yeah, apart from see, travel was my biggest budget, so yeah. I'm just not spending the money on the travel. Like I was meant to be in the US like three times um, in the last few months, yeah. um, as well as some other places. And so, I feel lucky in that way. But uh, this is the thing: is look for the silver lining in the pandemic that you mm. might not have had otherwise. And I know people who have split up with their partner because they're like you know what life is too short mm. and then I also know people who've said right I am I'm gonna move in with this person so you know love love found or love lost and then also like you're saying about the books it's what do I want to do with my short life because we are going to die and hopefully not soon but it is inevitable <laughs> it's going <laughs> to happen so yeah. if you're you know if you can think okay I have I'm 45 let's say I have let's make it 55 years left of um, compass mentis, you know, able to do things that I want to do uh, without too much trouble, then, I, you know, I need to spend that in the way that I want to. And I used to cry every day at my job because I was not spending my life how I wanted to. Yeah. And I remember thinking I would be so angry right now if I died. You know, when I, I was like mid thirties, I was like, if I died now, I'd be so angry because I am not doing what I want to be doing mm -hmm. with my life. And now I'm like, when we came into, you know, with the COVID thing, my cousin was actually in hospital for six weeks. He was on the ventilator and it was, you know, I was thinking if that was me, 
he didn't die he's fine he's he's recovered oh, good. um good uh but it was you know it was like oh my goodness what what would happen if that was me have i done all the things i wanted to do and that's when i wrote a few things on my wall and went okay i want to work towards these these things um and I've actually, there's a quote on my wall. I'll read it out because I, um, I wrote it on my wall during this period, which is huge shifts in ambition require mm. huge shifts in behavior. Ooh. And I don't even know who said that, but I found it somewhere and put it on my wall because I was like, yes, I'm going to shift my ambition. I'm going to shift my behavior so that everything I do is, is intentional towards what I want to achieve in mm. my life. Mm. So that's probably, it's a challenge for people, but I think this pandemic has made us all face up to what do you really want? Yeah. And like, so for you, you know, going deeper into that, like you've been hinting at, you've been changing up things in terms of your ambition, perhaps for, you know, the next 10 years or so, like what's, what's shifted? What do you, what do you thinking is the shifts that are going to be so openly embraced and what maybe is going to be challenging for you uh well basically i i you know i I think this would have happened regardless of the career that you're in whatever you do every decade i feel Mm. has some kind of i knew 2020 would but this is funny i said last year oh i'm 45 in 2020 it's also a big number you Mm -hmm. know it's like the year 2000 or something it's a round number yeah something's gonna happen didn't expect this obviously (laughs) but um i do feel like uh so one of my i i i'm reasonably fit person you know i've been uh i I like cycling and walking long distance and doing all the stuff but i've had a goal for 25 years <laughs> which is to walk the Camino Frances which is a 600 kilometer pilgrimage across um across the Pyrenees uh, bottom of France into northern Spain oh, to Santiago yeah. de Compostela yeah so it's um and it's a pilgrimage that I I'm not a Christian but you know pilgrimage can be done by many people I'm a person of faith but not a specific faith <laughs> and so I want to do that for both a it's just been something I wanted to do for so long so now I'm like okay how do I actually achieve six weeks of walking and uh, that obviously has different ramifications like fitness level consistent walking every day you have to walk like 20 to 25 kilometers every day consistently for six weeks or you know you have to take a break and then the other thing is how do I take six weeks off my business Mm. and I have not taken even a weekend like without checking my email or things that are going on in over a decade Mm -hmm. so that is and i'm doing very well on the fitness training i'm doing very badly on trying to figure out how i can take six weeks off my business yeah (laughs) you know so that yeah and then it also uh, for me it will encompass writing probably a couple of books one which would be a memoir and one which would be i want to write a crime novel on the camino mm. you know um so i feel like that goal i've put that on my wall now and when i put something on my wall <laughs> it's like a big step <laughs> so that is one thing i've decided and also that that decision 
And I've said I want to do it before I'm 50. So in the next five years, that's mm. allowing for the world being as it is. <laughs> uh, but essentially, that also means I need to spend more time working towards that goal. And it fits much more into my books and travel podcast, where I have interviewed people about pilgrimage. I've interviewed people who've walked the Camino. I've talked about some of the things that will lead me into this. Um, so to me, it's not just a physical project. It's also a creative project. Yeah. Um, this kind yeah. of have ramifications for your general life, not just your professional aspect, right? Yes, because when you do, when you train for these longer walks, and I've done these ultra marathons and things, but when you train for multi-day walks, you actually have to train by doing more multi-day walks. So uh, I'm planning, hopefully uh, I can do sort of, three days back to back and then seven days back to back and then 10 days back to back and kind of do these longer things to mm. wean myself off bad behaviors around working too hard. Yeah. Um, Cause if you walk all day like that every day, it changes your brain, you know, walking definitely just, you, you, you reprioritize. That's I love walking. So yeah. Much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, on the other side, it really is that as Joanna Penn, as my self-help writer, for authors you know my books as joanna penn have been aimed at the writing community i d i feel like maybe i've got one or two more books to write in in that brand mm. and i feel like i don't have too much more to say mm. around the creative process and the creative pen podcast is 11 years old it's come to 500 episodes i'm gonna go to 600 but <laughs> i am going to change things up Mm. um uh, next year and i'm also going to focus more on jf pen my fiction side but also write non-fiction under jf pen that fits more under this books and travel brand mm. mm -hmm. so uh like i said the book on pilgrimage for example i will write that under jf pen so while none of this is dramatic like i'm not turning off anything i'm just refocusing and saying instead of my next project being another book for authors mm. if my next which let's face it i know i can make money on like i know i can publish that and make thousands in right. month one right what i'm going to do instead is choose to write something else which will be more risky in terms of income but it moves me towards a future goal of building up the JF Pen brand. So uh, again, you know, like when I had my day job, when I was miserable, I didn't just quit my day job and become a writer. I spent five years between 2006 and 2011, slowly building up uh, what became the creative pen mm. and writing books and everything. So this is the same for me. I feel like I've got this sort of five year runway they sometimes call it don't they don't they this sort of five-year runway yeah. towards age 50 where i'm slowly shifting the emphasis of my creative work so if people listening are any you know any people in my my community then it, it's not like oh next week i'm going to stop podcasting or stop being joanna penn right. it's just that the percentage of time spent on different projects will look different and i mean you, you must manage that with the different things you do absolutely yeah the word that keeps two words that keep coming up are intentions having intentions and having your actions in alignment with those intentions and that is kind of a forcing function of 
letting of your yes and no, right? What you're letting go of and saying yes to and maybe coming off the autopilot a little bit. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty burnt out right now from doing zoom conferences. This is different. This is a podcast. So it's different, mm. but you know, I did, I said yes to everything, you know, again, in that the first month or two of the pandemic, I was saying yes to every single conference that yeah. had moved. They all moved online. Right. So suddenly I went from speaking maybe twice in a, in a year, which is about my level at this point. I don't mm. do much speaking anymore. I, I mean, presenting and doing like a proper talk and stuff like that. And then suddenly all these online conferences asked me and I just said yes to everything, every mm. single one, whether mm -hmm. it was, you know, some random group in the middle of nowhere and I did some really big ones and whatever. I, I was just saying yes. And then I realized when I made these decisions, I was like, what am I doing? Oh, it's just... Yes, I'm helping people, but I am just, I have nothing left for my own creative work. I'm just, yeah. every single day I was speaking at this, that, and the other. And um, so now uh, I'm, I'm actually saying no, as <laughs> my default position is no. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I partially feel a bit guilty about that. I know mm. you, you also um, tackle this with, with people, this sort of empowered no idea. Yeah. And I'm trying to be better at doing that. And, but I think you can only say you're empowered. No, when you understand what you're going to say yes to. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's a big deal. And you know, when you were mentioning your early fiction writing journey, right. And, and that's kind of what was bringing up for me is that, that one invisible first hurdle for people before they start leaning into doing lots of stuff that they're passionate about um, is if you don't have that time, energy, and capacity um, to, to devote to the things you really want. And that's hard. That's a big step to find. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I had a day job, it was, I would get up at five and I would write. And because there was only really two times of the day I could do things, mm. it's still the same now. It's just that back then I had an hour in the morning and then I'd come, I would write the creative stuff in the morning and then I'd go do my day job and be exhausted. By the time I got home, I didn't have any creative energy, but I spent generally between one and three hours every night building my business. That's when I would blog and podcast and mm -hmm. learn, learn things and read books and uh, all of those things. So I definitely understand having a day job or something else that you do whilst you're building up something on the side. But yeah, as you say, you have to decide what that is. And also you have to decide what's going to pay the bills and how you're going to do that. So for example, um, I love podcasting, but equally mm. I have patrons, I have sponsors, I have advertising, um, you know, I monetize my podcast. So it's also helps me. It, and I did it for like five years before I made any money from it. So it was never a money-making uh, yeah. exercise originally, but it, yeah. it support, it also supports my writing. So I can help people with it, but I can also support writing books like say this pilgrimage book that I'm, I don't have a platform around that and who knows whether anyone will buy it, but I'm interested and some people will buy it <laughs> mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and I want to write it and it serves my, one of my bigger goals. Yeah. So therefore 
thus it will be. <laughs> thus it will be. And I love that number, the five-year number. And, you know, the first time you did it, maybe it was more of a leap of faith. And you know, I imagine you have a lot more knowledge and confidence about how all the pieces fit together in terms of the idea of strategy and why you can be patient about it now. But like, what still feels risky to you about this, if anything? Well, and coming back to what has also changed. Um, so my husband left his job in uh, 2015 to join the business. And mm. that had all, my first goal was always to make six figures uh, in pounds as, mm. as a uh, creative. And then I started making more than that. And so I said to my husband, well, you could leave your job. You could come and work in the business. And at the time he was doing something he wasn't that keen on and traveling a lot. And so he said, yeah, great. So he joined the business in 2015, mm -hmm. but he's, um, he's actually a statistical programmer in the pharmaceutical industry. And this is a really useful job, right? In the world, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially mm -hmm. during a pandemic. Yes. So, so basically what happened, um, this year, and to be fair, we've had a couple of years now where he has not had enough to do because I didn't, you know, we didn't necessarily want to grow the business. Like we don't have employees. We don't want to publish other people. We don't want to do all these other things. So he was like, do you know, I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do something else because I'm mm. not that busy. I don't, you know, work isn't just money. It's also about meaning. Yeah. And so for his journey, and this is so important too, like we think our journey should be the one that other people take, whereas actually everyone has their own journey. So yes. what happened to him in the pandemic is he went, I'm, well, in fact, it was just before he was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get another, a, a job. I'm going to go back to, to a day job. And then the pandemic hit. And of course, all the job interviews disappeared and yep. everything kind of went a bit weird. But then of course, with everything that's going on in, in pharma, uh, he, he got a job. So in terms of risk, what is so interesting is that I have felt it would be too risky for me to say no to things like all of those talks or um, do another webinar to, you know, send an, an offer to my email list and mm. all of this stuff, do more Facebook advertising to drive more revenue and uh, all these things that do not fill me with joy. And uh, so when he said, I'm, I'm going to go back to day job, I was like, brilliant. Mm. That means I can stop doing all these things. <laughs> and as Seth Godin, uh, who's a, a marketing guy, talks about the dip. He's actually got a book called The Dip. And the dip is what happens between one time and another time when you change direction, really. I mean, mm. there's lots of other things, but it happened when I left my day job in 2011. Between 2011 and 2015, my income dipped Yeah, because I had to become somebody else and make more products and build my brand and do all the things that you do. And then I hit that number and then it kept growing and growing and growing. And then what I can now do is take another dip is go, right. all right. So to change direction, I need to now, I can just stop doing those things and I can take a dip and I'm happy to take a dip in my income, which I haven't been happy to do before in order to change direction because mm. now we have something that's kind of replacing it. So I know that's tough if people listening, if you don't have a partner who's earning, um, I definitely 
feel like that is a reason I can risk more than I could even a month ago. I feel like I'm not going to, I think the other thing perhaps we've all learned is how much money we can save if we don't go out so much. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, literally all we're buying, I buy a lot of books and then groceries and that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Even our coffee, our collective coffee expenditure, you and me, between mm -hmm. the amount of coffee we probably give to cafes. Saving big time. (laughs) (laughs) I've got an espresso machine, so my coffee costs about 30p as opposed to two pound 50 so <laughs> the sad the sad part is i'm actually drinking better coffee now <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> but yeah anyway do you do you do you get the concept of the of the dip i do and you know it's kind of be, it sounds like you know one of the things i was teasing out of that is you know well one there's it's a risk but it's a calculated risk that you're able to do because you have a kind of a partnership in but yeah, the other also, piece is the other piece I was picking up on more was him stepping away is kind of reducing the resources you have available at your disposal for your business, right? And maybe that's let, let, allowing you to more easily let go of the things that weren't bringing you joy. Uh, I wouldn't say that because he is a pro, he's a process mm. guy and he put in processes. <laughs> he, mm. I could learn a lot from him. He put in processes in the first couple of years that basically yeah. meant he did himself out of work because he he made things automated that mm. I I can't and don't want to automate the creation process it's just yeah. you don't automate that right but he pretty nope. much automated everything else so it's not he he's not he hasn't been working like day to day hours and hours like like right. me but um what the other thing that gives me confidence is that i understand the business model of books uh-huh. and i definitely did not understand that back in the day i understand well first of all i know i can write a book and i can publish a book and i can sell a book and i can market a book and i also understand how asset how intellectual property, property assets work mm. and how and i am absolutely confident of mm. making money from my books. Um, just to be clear, if anyone listening, I'm an independent author, so I publish my own books and publish them globally in every format. And I know I can do that and make a living wage. Yeah. So, and I've got my backlist. I'm at like 32 books or something at this point mm. as we record this. So it's not it's not like I'm dropping to zero i don't do any services like i know you do consulting Mm -hmm. um coaching i don't do that so you know even if i died my income would still happen (laughs) uh so it's this is the the business mindset as well of building assets um which to me are writing writing books like if you know how to do that then you can pivot within the same business model just to a different mm, brand because you're expending less you, your business has matured your knowledge has matured and you don't need as much time to be figuring that out you've got mm, it figured exactly out. Mm. okay that makes a lot of sense yeah i'm glad you point that out because people who are earlier in this journey right like we talk about that word comparisonitis and so people are listening to us talk about this where we're at where we're at you know, we're at different, you and I are at different phases in our businesses. I'm earlier, but many other people are even earlier than that. And, oh yeah. Um, and I think someone asked me, um, uh, while back about like, what's the difference between when you started writing and, and 
where you are now. And I think one of the biggest things that I thought when I started writing fiction particularly was, oh, my sentences are not as perfect Mm -hmm. as someone else's. (laughs) And it was this obsession with why isn't my first draft the same or better than someone else's finished draft. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we tend to compare ourselves to people we are not at the same stage at. And let's face it, who shares their first draft with anyone? So if you're judging your first draft of the book or the first draft of whatever you're creating, you can't judge your first draft against someone else's finished product, especially if they are years ahead of you. So like, I love a lot of Stephen King's work, but for me to judge myself against Stephen King now, Stephen King is in his seventies. So he's 25 years older than me. And he started publishing when he was 14. He started writing when he was 14, maybe even younger than that. So he, he has a lot of years of experience. You know, he's written many, many millions of words more than me. The only way I can compare myself to Stephen King at this point is after he's dead (laughs) and I reach his age and I reach the number of years that I've been writing, then I might be able to compare my work with his. Until then, I can read his work and marvel at it and say, this is really good. I'm looking forward to when I can write that well. And uh, I will just keep writing and keep getting better with every book and be determined that my books, you know, please people along the way and just accept that we'll get better. And in fact, this is one of the things I like about the visual arts. So in um, Malaga in Spain, they have a Picasso museum of, because Picasso was born in Malaga and his, uh, they've got a museum there of his early work. And what they have is his work from, again, as a teenager, all the way through to some of his, you know, final works. And they celebrate every aspect of his creative journey. And over half that exhibition, it's crap. You know, it's just (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like, what is, like, why is this on the wall of a museum? And the reason it is, is because of where he ended up. And he didn't just give up when it was crap. He carried on and he had these different phases of his creative life and like Picasso is definitely uh, apart from his uh, personal life which was very colorful his creative life like he died a millionaire multi-millionaire and his work obviously is incredible but he was prolific and yeah. that should be for me that's the model is be prolific some of it will be good some of it will be crap keep getting better and uh, you'll die really rich <laughs> I, I love that and I, I love how you talked about like walking into the musician the museum that's really special they have the space and the real estate to kind of highlight that the, it's a journey and a process mm. Mm. Yeah. And, and when you're starting out you think why aren't i the finished product now yeah but that's just not the reality of life is it it's like maybe we should stop in the hallway where we're at <laughs> in the museum yeah. and be like yeah. wait i'm this good I'm as good as Picasso. At- yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm as good as his really is really bad second grade vase that he made. <laughs> this is this is a challenge that comes up though, right? Like our tastes evolve and our bar is always rising. And I don't think we're always conscious of that fact. Yeah, but that's a good thing. I mean, that's part of human nature, isn't it? For me, I, I am a goal orientated person, but it's like, if I don't have a goal, I, mm-hmm. well, I always have a goal. I always have a goal never not had a goal in my life I'm always looking towards the future but that's how humankind progresses that's how you know we make the things we make and we that that's what we do and as soon as you finish one book I mean I love finishing a book I love publishing it and saying I made this and 
and the first thing people are like oh how do you celebrate i'm like well i usually you know i might not even mention it to my husband i'm just, mm. I'm just working on the next book really <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. do have a glass of champagne at some okay. point Good. but mostly it's just right next next yeah. well <laughs> you know i brought it up because sometimes we beat ourselves up right for not being where we want to be without seeing the bigger picture of our journey uh yeah i did i mean that's the uh, are we ever where we want to be that is that is the question that's the uh, meditation and the buddhism and you have to tap into accepting where you are but also still balancing striving to be better yeah. it's very difficult <laughs> yeah like when i realized like so i'm 42 and you know I, my dad i grew up around music and i was like wait a minute I can play this stuff that my heroes from childhood were playing when I was a child. Like just even noting that, cause I still think, you know, I'm limited and I'm not that good, but then mm. like, wow, <laughs> just pause for a moment and appreciate like I'm doing all right. I'm yeah. doing good enough. I have enough tools to make my art and say what I want to say. And I can trust that that will continue to improve. Mm, exactly yeah and I, and I think the pandemic is a good time to be grateful for small mercies like uh, not being sick and having dinner and yeah. <laughs> all of all of those things you know like that are that we can be grateful for and in sort of we maybe we were taking for granted yeah um before uh and now we can be like yeah i'm really grateful i'm really grateful for that like the walking thing walking i me and my husband have been walking most days in lockdown like we've we've been government allowed walking you know exercise and we have walked miles and miles and miles all all summer and mm. um that's just been for my mental health has just been fantastic and i i'm so grateful to live on the edge of this beautiful place and the, i walk along the canal a lot and see nature and put things in perspective and you know you've been grateful for these things and then you think okay great uh, i'm gonna feel grateful for that and enjoy my walk and then come back and sit down at my desk and i'm gonna work on mm. my craft and getting better and trying to be more and so yes balance being uh, accepting and happy with what you have and then also striving for something more yeah and is 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 the right to take breaks and have that space to take care of yourself is that like something you have to earn by working hard at it or is that a foundation to being able to do good work oh for me it's a foundation absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. i i mean as i said i've always been pretty active uh i have to have some movement in my day every day um i did co-write a book called uh, the healthy writer with a medical doctor and the writing community and i did we did a survey for that um mm -hmm. uh before we wrote it and we you know the question is what are some of the issues that you have physically and the writing community is really physically broken in many ways oh, yeah. a lot of people <laughs> with i mean because some people become writers because they have chronic issues and they have to find work from home yeah. other people um it's a godsend because you know maybe they have some condition and they it's a way they can earn money in living a different kind of life that's not just in an office or whatever but the act of writing i mean like i've i've spent the last year correcting postural 
issue that meant I was having shoulder pain and Mm -hmm. you know in your 40s there are these things that happen but also you know weight gain and eye strain and headaches and uh, RSI and back pain and like office working in general in fact this is the other thing I think coming out of the pandemic is a lot of people have more weight issues for sure but equally Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are discovering back pain from working in an office a uh, home chair you know at their mm-hmm. kitchen table or whatever mm-hmm. so but no I think the, the I almost think I earn the right to work on my book because I have done some movement so I mm-hmm. absolutely love my Apple watch it's brilliant and it will tell me to get up and move around you know every hour and all these things I yeah I just don't think I could do this without feeling physically able and I know some people listening will struggle with that and I think that our physical health I mean especially again with the pandemic physical health is everything if you don't have that everything is impacted yeah and I think some people you know attribute the idea of writer's block and struggling to write um, misattribute that and maybe it's an invitation to to say hey wait something's not working in my space or in my body right now yeah, or you're trying to write the wrong thing. So yeah. if you are trying to write literary fiction, and actually, if you look at your reading, mm. say you you know say you read on your Kindle or whatever, take an inventory of your bookshelf and your reading. Yeah. What you, what do you actually read? And don't try and write literary fiction if you read Western romance. You know, yeah. write yeah. Western romance. <laughs> yeah, or if you're reading if you're reading Western romance because you're trying to write to market but not enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, don't that do that either. I know. I I personally don't write to market. It's not something I want to do. Um, life's too short to be honest to write things you don't mm. want that you don't love. And I think readers can tell. Like, to be honest, I I just think. Yeah. Yeah, life's too short anyway. Do what you love. Do what you love. Life's too short. Do what you love. So for people who want to know more about you, Joanna, how can they do that? Well, uh, if you want to know more about the writing side, come over to thecreativepen.com, pen with a double N, or check out the Creative Pen podcast. If you like the sound of thrillers, uh, check out jfpen.com, that's Joe Francis Pen, and also uh, check out the Books and Travel podcast if you're mm-hmm. interested. And if you like travel and you can't travel right now, then um, escape through uh, listening to people talking about their own travels and certainly (laughs) it's a bit of a nightmare podcast actually because every time I interview someone I'm like okay I need to go there now (laughs) now I need to go there I've like keep adding things to my list (laughs) but it's great it's really inspirational our our mutual friend I believe Nick Thacker is in Hawaii now oh there Uh, we go oh he moved he did and I'm I'm just it hits all my my wanderlust buttons. But. Yes, I have done an interview on Hawaii with Toby Neal, who wrote a memoir mm. about Hawaii, and it, it, it certainly looks incredible. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, I am on Twitter at the Creative Pen with a double N. If anyone has any specific questions, great, well, Joanna. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Ethan. That was great fun. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover the Fearless Storyteller podcast.